weed is better A friend with breasts and all the rest A friend who's dressed in leather friend in need, a friend indeed A friend who keys is better Our thoughts compressed which makes us blessed And makes for stormy weather my friends. It's December 28, 2021. My name is Chris and you are tuned into Canadian Patriot Radio. I hope you all had a great Christmas and uh, Santa still comes around for you. I'm sure he does. <laughs> You're all free thinkers. I'm sure Santa likes the free thinking crowd a little bit better than the uh, sheeple crowd. <laughs> Okay, what are we doing, my friends? <clears throat> Today we are going to go through a couple of clips, um, one that deals with Dark Winter, uh, basically almost the same kind of rollout as, as uh, COVID. There was a practice run on a um, smallpox outbreak, and um, as we know from watching the globalists, they always do a practice run first, how they're going to react. So we're going to c- cover that. Uh, the Ice Age farmer kicked out another very brilliant piece about how uh, they are creating a food shortage um, not just on the front lines in the retail markets but also uh, with the the actual farmers themselves how they're stopping farmers from selling grains and everything like that Um, and then we are going to compare some notes um Canada's going into their third shots uh, right now. People are rolling up their sleeves to get their third shot because the first two don't work. And uh, so you might as well get the third one. And then we're going to compare that with the fact that Israel is doing the exact same thing with their fourth shot. So (laughs) where does it end, friends? Well, it never will as long as people keep rolling up their sleeves. Okay, but what we're going to start with... is we are going to go back um, I have covered this before but it's important to note uh, this this one it's just it's incredible that stuff like this is falling between the cracks and people and well we know the mainstream media will never pick it up but it's it's good sometimes to repeat stuff because the proof is in the pudding we know that uh, the injected are going to have health problems down the road and and there's been studies that actually prove that. Now this comes to us by way of the cardiology advisor and the title reads ACS risk biomarkers significantly increase after mRNA COVID-19 vaccine. This was written on November 18th, 2021 uh, and it doesn't tell us by who it just says cardiology advisor contributing writer. The risk of developing acute coronary syndrome, ACS, significantly increases in patients after receiving mRNA COVID-19 vaccines, according to a report presented at the American Heart Association's uh, Scientific Sessions 2021, held from November 13th to 15th. The study included 566 men and women um, aged 28 to 97 years, uh, one-to-one, so 566 of each, um, male and female, who were patients in a preventative cardiology practice. All patients received a new pulse cardiac, cardiac test 
two to ten weeks after their second COVID-19 vaccine. The test results was compared with pulse scores from three to five months pre-vaccination. The pulse cardiac test measures multiple protein biomarkers, including hepatocyte growth factor, soluble soluble FAS, and IL-16, and uses the results to calculate a five-year risk score for new ACS. The pulse score increases with above-normal elevation. All participants receive this test every three to six months for eight years. From pre-vaccination to post-vaccination, the levels of IL-16 increased from 35 equal to or minus minus 20 to 82 equal to or minus 75 above the norm. Soluble FOSS showed an increase from 22 plus minus 15 to 46 equal to or less than 24 above the norm. HGF rose from 42 plus minus 12 to 86 plus minus 31 above the norm. As a result, the five-year ACS pulse risk score increases from 11% to 25% by the time the report was published. Changes had persisted for two and a half months uh, or more after the second vaccine dose. The study author concluded that mRNA vaccines dramatically increase inflammation on the endothelium and T-cell infiltration of the cardiac muscle and may account for the observations of increased thrombosis, cardiomyopathy, and other vascular events following vaccination. So, you know, it it basically, uh, you know, they they lay out the groundwork, but when you have these elevated levels of uh, uh, these biomarkers, um, and if they persist, this is going to be a huge problem for the injected down the road because all these biomarkers uh, suggest that you're going to probably have cardiac problems of one type or another. Now, does you know the people that are able to persist and don't uh, don't come down with something right away? Does this uh, potentially mean heart disease? Um, very real possibility, and probably accelerated rates of it. So you know, it's all the signs are there, all the markers are there, all the studies are showing that these shots are going to be a problem for people. But yet, you got everybody in Canada just completely oblivious to the fact that the first two shots did absolutely nothing and uh, going out and getting their third. And in, in Israel, they're already going out and getting their fourth. But in Israel's a, kind of a different world than here. Um, they, they can force people a lot easier in Israel, uh, even though lots of people didn't even roll it up for the third one. I believe it was 1.5 million uh, initially did not roll up their sleeves for the third shot. Now, because they have been excluded from society, I'm sure that number has dropped. But there's probably the holdouts from even the third shot in Israel. No one ever can get those numbers because you can't get the mainstream media to report any actual truth whatsoever. But I just, um, it, it's just funny to see this com- continue, right? And so now we've got, um, they've basically called, they've, they've uh, dubbed the common cold Omicron. That's what's happening with Omicron or moronic. And it's, it's such a perfect anagram because that's exactly how stupid you got to be to believe this. All the symptoms of the common cold is now a COVID variant. Well, we, as we know, coronavirus is the common cold. But, I mean, we're, we're acting like we're terrified of this. Uh, it's a Canadian winter right now, my friends. People are going to get the common cold. We need to start uh, uh, just being like we used to be. Oh, you're sick? Well, then just take a couple days off. We'll see you when you feel better. That's seriously what we need to start doing in society again. 
this panicking and oh my god it, it's so stupid like when you really take a step back and you look at this like the narrative is falling apart faster than they can put it together but of course the mainstream media will never admit that they are so complicit the mainstream media that is in in creating this panic that if this all fails they themselves are in a lot of hot water my friends a lot of hot water can you imagine if it came out that you didn't need these shots at all? All the deaths, all the adverse effects, all the everything. And, and look at what the mainstream media has done for the last two years. They would be complicit in every single one of those deaths, adverse events, everything, if it all came out. They, they have skin in the game now, my friends. They, of course, are going to keep pushing the narrative, even while moving the goalposts every frickin' month at this point. Okay, my friends, let's get this show started. We'll be right back. Welcome, friends, to Canadian Patriot Radio, where conspiracy is not theory and political corruption finds the spotlight. we are committed to upholding Canadians' God-given rights to life, liberty, and freedom with all thy sons. Command. Welcome back, my friends. What we are going to do now is we are going to do a little compare and contrast between two different countries, one that is a shot or a booster ahead of the other. And uh, first, we're going to cover Canada. <clears throat> this is, of course, the CBC because they are on board pushing these vaccines, probably invested in them. They probably get a kickback for every shot put into a Canadian arm in Canada, along with our health and everything else. <laughs> we already know Trudeau is getting kickbacks for it, too. So, uh, the title of this one reads, Waning protection from two doses shows need for more COVID-19 boosters, says head of Ontario Science Table. 
<laughs> I would, uh, even at the headline, I'm going to disagree. I would say that if you have waning protection after two doses, you should probably consider walking away and looking at the therapeutics that have now been proven through multiple studies to work. Uh, the early treatment therapeutics, um, what we're starting to learn about how we can, like we've heard Dr. Peter McCulloch tell you, nasal flushes with basically iodine uh, kill any type of bacteria or virus that is replicating in your nasal passage and throat. <clears throat> so that right there is probably your most effective. Uh, you've got now you've got experimental injections that can't even make it through uh, how long now? Months? Two months? Oh my God! I'm already sidetracking on this CBC article, and we didn't even make it past the tar title, my friends. <laughs> Third dose can increase protection by as much as five times, says scientific director Dr. Peter Juni. Uh, this was posted on December 27th uh, by CBC News. No uh, author is listed. Protection provided by COVID-19 vaccines against infection by the novel, uh, novel coronavirus has waned dramatically since the highly infectious Omicron variant started spreading across Ontario, according to data from the province's science advisory table. The data shows that while having two doses does protect against severe illness among those who contract the virus, its ability to prevent infection altogether is plummeting, says Dr. Peter Juni, the group's scientific director. Vaccine protection has fallen to 14.9% 14 from the nearly 90% a month ago for people who have received two doses, according to the data. Let's just step out right there. At this point in this vaccine rollout, if you actually believe these shots ever, ever provided 90% um, protection, you are an idiot. They did nothing. And I'd, be, I'd say that they haven't saved anybody from COVID. How they're saying they're lessening, lessening the symptoms, I seriously doubt it. I think you just got a mild form of COVID. <laughs> Oh boy, vaccine protection against infection is melting like snow under the sun, Junie said in an interview on CBC News Network. Omicron is evading the immune system. In reality, there is no way, if it comes to infection, to distinguish anymore between a person who is not vaccinated and a person who has received two doses. Vaccine protection refers to the reduction in risks of getting infected. So in other words, it did absolutely nothing. You know, you can dance around the obvious, but that's exactly what you just said. The two shots did nothing, so now come in and get a third. You know, if you really want to spit it out properly, that's what he should have said. God, you got to hand it to them. They're, they are good used car salesmen, you know. All these scientific, heavy air quotes, uh, professionals probably should be on used car lots because they would, uh, they'd be selling cars left, right, and center, apparently to very stupid people, but there you go. Data shows booster decreased risk. Junie said data from the UK has shown a third dose of COVID-19 vaccine can decrease the risk of infection by up to five times. So if, uh, if that's true, at 14.9% is what they're currently at, the best that they can possibly hope for by a, a third shot is 74.5%, uh, probably within the first month of your third dose. And then, like they just said, it, it drops off dramatically. So what, what the... F you can see what they're setting up here. They're setting up a, a, just perpetual shots. This is... Oh, my... Oh, 
Read Between the Lines is getting easier and easier because the narrative is becoming so frickin' stupid. Okay, where are we here? We need to get those doses into people's arms as soon as possible so you see this purple line go up, uh, again, go up, Junie said, referencing the above chart. Based on everything we know, you'll probably need to wait roughly two weeks before the third dose offers full protection again. Full protection means that your risk of getting infected is decreased roughly by four to five fold. So 74.5% for what, a month? Omicron contains more than 30 mutations in the spike protein, the part of the coronavirus that helps it enter human cells, some of which are associated with resistance to neutralization from antibodies. Ontario discovered its first case of Omicron variant on November 28th, just days after South African researchers alerted the world to its existence. Around three weeks later, Omicron became the dominant variant, making, it, making up the majority of newly daily infections in the province. Or the common cold. <laughs> Rebranding the common cold, whoop de doo in, in the middle of, uh, of December. <clears throat> Omicron, calling it Omicron and creating more panic is basically what, in my opinion, what, what we are witnessing here. But whatever, let's see what these uh, science, heavier quote, science professionals have to say. Uh, two doses prevent severe outcomes data. <clears throat> Despite the clear weakening in protection from infection, the data shows that two doses continue to offer over 90% protection against hospitalization and intensive care admission. Oh, my God. They contradict themselves within their own article. Like, if you were a journalist and you're, uh, you're writing this stuff and you, can't, you contradict yourself within a couple of paragraphs, do you not think if you are a so-called professional journalist you're going to catch that? Like, they've already previously told us it goes from 90 to 14.5%, and then they, and two paragraphs later they're telling you, oh, no, it's 90. Like, my God. And this gets published and then edited by somebody else and then or uh, gets written, edited by somebody else and then published. Like there's not just one stupid person involved in this whole pro uh, in this whole process. There's probably I you know by the time it goes from start to finish within CBC, there's probably dozens, and every single one of them didn't catch that. Or or they just are oblivious or like intentionally looking the other way. But I mean, how do people read this trash and not catch it? That's what gets me is realistically, um, one thing I can tell you about this whole pandemic, plandemic, it has really woke me up into how stupid people really are. I, I just, you know, before this all happened, I had a, I had a pretty serious belief that I, I figured that 60 to 75% of the world was awake. They knew what was kind of going on. They understood the, uh, you know, the global power structure, uh, who's all, how they were manipulating basically governments and banks and every huge corporation is, is a criminal entity. And I figured most people had a grasp on that until COVID. And then I realized I was so wrong, so wrong that people just, they just are, well, I think it's just laziness. People just want information fed to them. It's really what it is. It, they cannot be bothered to step out of the mainstream and look for themselves to verify the information. They just are going to eat up the spoon-fed garbage and carry on. Okay, let's carry on with this contradicting stupid article. Junie said that's proof that the vaccines have been successful at achieving their primary goal. goal. 
although he warned that the situation could change in the coming days and weeks because, up until now, most people who had been hospitalized with COVID-19 were infected with the previous dominant Delta variant. Only in the next few days, we will start to see an uptick in patients admitted for Omicron infections, said Junie. That's the delay you typically see. We saw the uptick in case, case numbers for Omicron, and now we will see the uptick in hospitalizations. 9,418 new cases on Monday. Ontario reported 9,418 new cases on Monday, according to Health Minister Christine Elliott, a slight dip in infections after hitting a record high 10,412 cases on Saturday and logging 9,826 cases on Boxing Day. The rolling seven-day average of new ca uh, daily cases now stands out at 7,500, up from 2,800 one week ago. Experts have said the actual numbers of cases is likely far higher than those reported each day because many public health units have reached their testing capacity. Public Health Ontario reported an additional five deaths linked to COVID-19 on Monday, pushing the provincial death toll to 10,162. Health Minister Christine Elliott said that there were 480 people hospitalized with COVID-19 and 100, 176 of them were in intensive care units. The number of people hospitalized increased from 373 on Sunday, although she noted that not all hospitals report COVID-19 data on weekends. Seven-day rolling average for COVID patients in ICU is 168, Elliott said. Elliott said more than 45,000 doses of COVID-19 vaccines were administered on Boxing Day. Uh, thank you, Team Ontario, for taking time out of your holidays to get the shot into arms, she tweeted. COVID-19 data will be limited over the holidays as the Ministry of Health will not be updating its website until December 29th. Okay, that's where we're at in Canada. We've got heavy air quote scientific individuals uh, contradicting themselves and then a media that completely eats up the contradiction, completely misses it or intentionally misses it and prints it in, in their actual article. Now, let's, let's go across the pond. Okay, so in Canada, you have to get a third shot now because vaccine protection is at 14.9%. Well, okay. What happens when you can compare to a country that's already going into their fourth shot? Let's see what's going on in Israel, shall we, my friends? This comes to us by way of the National Post. And uh, the title reads, Israel's calculated risk of fourth dose to fight Omicron without data that it works. This was written by Eliza Odenheimer and Daniel Avis from Bloomberg News on December 22, 2021. Israeli will administer a fourth dose of, dose of coronavirus vaccine to people over the age of 60 and medical personnel, becoming the first nation in the world to do so on such a widespread basis as the Omicron variant barrels across the world. <clears throat> the citizens of Israel were the first to get a third vaccine and we are continuing to lead with a fourth vaccine, Prime Minister Naftali Bennett said in a statement late Tuesday. He's ordered authorities to prepare for a nationwide inoculation drive. The decision was taken even though Israel doesn't have, the, uh, have reams of data backing up efficacy. The country's public health chief, Sharon Alroy Prius, and protested at a meeting of government officials and medical experts uh, that a trial at the country's leading hospital hasn't yet been carried out, according to Army Radio. But uh, Gali Rahav, head of Sheba Medical Center's Infectious Disease Unit, who attended the meeting, said the overwhelming majority nevertheless voted in favor of a four-shot because of the speed of which Omicron was spreading. 
She called it a calculated risk. It's much more elegant to decide when you, uh, when you have hard data, Rahav said in the interview, but it is true that if we, if we will wait for hard data, it'll be too late. Oh, man. The panic over the common cold. Israel's handling of the coronavirus has been studied by other countries because of aggressive steps it took to contain the virus at the onset, its botched reopening after the first lockdown, and its early administration of vaccines and boosters. It launched the world's leading vaccine drive a little less than a year ago when inoculations first became available, and in August, became the first country to offer boosters to much of its population after the Delta variant sent infections soaring. As Israel's caseload shrank dramatically within the weeks, within weeks and researchers rolled out data on vaccine efficacy, other countries followed suit with aggressive booster campaigns. Well, that right there is questionable, that statement right there. Because um, when you listen to people on the front lines in Israel, they're saying that the, basically what we know in Canada, that the shots are doing nothing and that most of the hospitalizations and cases are in double vaccinated or third vaccinated cases, which is the case in, in Israel. While Omicron has been, do- been a dominant strain in countries including the U.S., South Africa, and England, Israel has been less hard hit, in part because it clamped down, on, uh, clamped down fast with travel restrictions. The nation of 9.3 million people had 341 confirm- confirmed cases, including 95 unvaccinated people, and 807 suspected cases, according to the ministry statement Tuesday afternoon. So right there, they tell you that the bulk majority of it is in vaccinated people. It was only 95 in unvaccinated people of 341. But get a fourth shot, right? My God. Shortly after the variant was detected in southern Africa last month, Israel canceled plans to reopen incoming tourism and banned its citizens from traveling to most of Africa. As the highly infectious strain went out on a global rampage, officials widened the ban, including large parts of Europe, U.S., and Canada. All residents entering the country are tested for COVID upon arrival with a mandatory quarantine period of at least three days. Professor Lawrence Young, a virologist at the University of Warwick in England, said it was difficult to justify four shots in a situation where around 73% of people in wealthy and middle-income countries have been fully or partly vaccinated whereas only 12% are vaccinated in Africa. Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, Director General of the World Health Organization, a plant that was put there by the globalists, said boosters should not be seen as the only way out of dealing with this pandemic when other countries are struggling to roll out shots. Yeah, well, you mentioned they, they mentioned Africa, and what are they not mentioning about Africa, other than South Africa? But like Central Africa basically doesn't have COVID at all. And why is that? Because in Central and Northern Africa, ivermectin is handed out to people like fucking candy. That's why. Because there actually is parasitic infection still in Africa. So they have readily, they have access to ivermectin everywhere. But nobody wants to talk about that, do they? Let's just carry on with the fucked up narrative. No country can boost its way out of a pandemic, he said at a briefing in Geneva. Blanket booster programs are likely to prolong the pandemic rather than ending it. Well, we've seen all these fucking planted globalist puppets completely contradict themselves in statements even weeks apart. So nothing he says even holds any merit whatsoever. Even though he's speaking our type of language, he's still going to come out two weeks later and say, yeah, you need to get a fourth shot. 
So all these people have discredited themselves to a point now where anything they say is just considered retarded by any average intelligence human. Uh, the Omicron variant has proved much more infectious than its predecessors and, according to early evidence, has reduced the levels of antibody protection provided by the world's most widely used vaccines, prompting, prompting booster campaigns in many countries. However, as hospitalizations and death can lag a surge of new infections by a few weeks, it is still not clear whether Omicron is more severe than Delta. Early data from three of South Africa's biggest Private hospitals show that so far Omicron cases in the country appear to be milder than its previous infection uh, than previous infection waves. Although that has been attributed to South Africa's youthful population and the natural immunity arising from a relatively low vaccination rate. Boom! The National Post is telling you what you already know. In September, Israel was already making preparations to ensure it had sufficient vaccine supply in case a fourth round of shots was needed. The fourth jab will be given to people who received, a, who received the third shot at least four months previously. According to a decision by health officials, authorities also say also decided to shorten the time period between second and third doses to three, three months from five. Well, I can tell you by the, I can tell you the people I know that are getting third shots are saying that's it. I know two of two of them now. And both of them have said no more. Uh, third shot got both these guys, um, relatively healthy guys, uh, both, uh, one's probably just turning 40 and the other one's, uh, in his upper forties, I'd say he's pr probably around 47. Both got the third shot and both said, that's it. No more. It got, it fucked them both right up. And, uh, yeah. So, you know, stepping out from the article for a minute, all these shots, you know, I, the one in particular, I, I see him on a daily basis. I said, are you done playing Russian roulette now? Are you, are you done fucking around with your life or, or what? And he kind of looks at you <laughs> with a bit of a thousand mile stare, right? But <clears throat> I said, every single shot that you took is, is a game of Russian roulette. You're slapping one, 144 on the barrel and you're spinning it and flipping her closed and you're pulling the trigger, putting it to your head and pulling the trigger. You've managed to get through three rounds of that, of Russian roulette. I'd say you should probably quit while you're ahead <laughs> if you even made it out. But like I said, both of them are saying that's the last one because it messed them both up. So that's two, two people, you know, of my pro-vaccine friends, uh, the only two people that I know so far that got a third shot and it, it messed them both up and they're both saying that's it. Okay, where were we here? <clears throat> uh, Israel has mainly used Pfizer Incorporated BioNTech vaccine. 32% uh, of the country remains unvaccinated. Really? Wicked. <clears throat> Including children under five. All other residents are eligible for the vaccine. As Israel prepares for its fourth vaccination drive, it's also working on other protective measures. Bennett has urged employers to let people work from home if possible. And pending uh, parliamentary, parliamentary approval, children in the seventh grade and above will be barred from in-school lessons if less than 70% of the class is vaccinated. Oh, Fuck. You can see how they do this. They're going to just keep pushing and pushing and pushing until they have the vaccinated locked completely out of society, my friends. And it's everywhere. It's not just in Canada. It's all over the world that they're doing it. Walking in lockstep, like we like, we like to mention. 
Authorities also agreed to tighten restrictions on restaurant and mall access for the unvaccinated. Well, yeah, because they're the ones. <clears throat> so here's another article that they completely contradict themselves in their own article. Uh, you remember when they gave us the numbers, 341 confirmed cases, including 95 unvaccinated people. So right there, you have 246 peop, vac, fully vaccinated people. Now in Israel, that's three shots. 246 of the 341 are fully vaccinated people. Only 95. So what? where is the actual logic of locking the unvaccinated people out of society when it's running rampant in <clears throat> your vaccinated population? We know for a fact that Delta is now moving freely in the vaccinated. They don't want to talk about that. They just want you to focus on Omicron because it's now it's the new biggest scare, right? So you've got two variants that are moving freely within the vaccinated people. So when you compare and contrast this, now you've got Canada. Omicron's president in Canada, every province, it's everywhere. So they're telling you in Canada, you've got to get a third shot to stop to stop Omicron, yet now we've got the numbers coming out of Israel and 246 of their 341 confirmed cases were fully vaccinated people with three shots. What in the fuck is the third shot going to do for you in Canada? Anybody that is, if you know anybody that's lining up to get these shots, you know, most of these guys that are getting them are just have completely, that I know, have completely just caved to the globalist agenda. Both of them tell you that's, this is the new norm. This is the way the world is. However, both of them now said that's the last shot they'll ever take. So they're no better off than, than me, <laughs> you know, and I don't, I don't, uh, I don't poke them like that. I don't say things like that to them. I mean, they're friends. Most of, most of my uh, personal relationships um, that I've maintained throughout this whole thing, um, you know, through a, with a lot of friends is we don't talk about the vaccines at all and it doesn't even come up and we still socialize, we hang out, we do everything. But <clears throat> so there you go. There's just a little bit of a, a, a compare and contrast between two countries, uh, a narrative that's basically six months ahead in Israel and how they're trying to manipulate it. Uh, they've got the numbers aren't backing them up. They're still marching forward and they're still going to lock out the minority of infected people, uh, which is the unvaccinated out of uh, society because they're the problem. Meanwhile, their own numbers don't reflect that. Holy lick. You know, I, I, I forget what movie it came from, but maybe one of you guys will know. Every time I, I read something or I, I'm exposed to something so stupid, I always go, the stupid, it burns. <laughs> and now I wonder, is the stupid contagious? Hmm, maybe it's a vaccine-induced stupid. All right, my friends, we're going to shift gears just away from COVID for just one quick little article because, as you know, uh, I am a gun owner, I am a restricted gun owner, and I have guns that have been classified as prohibited or uh, through a, an illegal order in council in Canada. But there's just a little bit of an update here from iPolitics, and uh, <clears throat> this was published on December 24th, 2021, and the title reads, Most Owners Are Holding On To Their Banned Weapons Before Buyout. Only 160 firearms that the Liberal government prohibited more than a year and a half ago have been deactivated or surrendered, according to the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. The government originally estimated that its ban, which took effect uh, on May 1, 2020, would apply to 90,000 to 105 firearms in Canada. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's government has long promised to create a buyback program for weapons. 
If an individual or business were to relinquish a newly prohibited firearm or device before the implementation of the buyback program, they won't be eligible for compensation once the program is announced, the RCMP said this week in response to questions iPolitics asked it last month. Government officials are currently in the process of refining requirements and developing program design and implementation options for a buyback program, the RCMP, uh, RCMP's media relations branch. The Canadian Firearms Program, CFP, can confirm that as of December 9, 2021, 18 firearms formerly classified as restricted, affected by the May 1, 2020 Order and Council, have been deactivated, added Sergeant Caroline Duval, the spokesperson who forwarded the Mounties response. In addition, there have been 142 Order and Council affected firearms recorded as surrendered to a public agency for destruction since May 1, 2020. Um, the Canadian Firearms Program count doesn't include guns that were returned to manufacturers or which their owners disposed of in some other way because the RCMP said it doesn't collect that information. An amnesty order is in effect until April 30th, 2022 since the owners affected were in lawful possession of the firearms when Trudeau's cabinet, uh, when Trudeau's cabinet imposed the prohibition. Under the current amnesty, they are illegal to use, sell or import or and can only be transported or transferred within Canada under strict circumstances, such as to, to deactivate them or when returning a firearm to its lawful owner. Otherwise, firearms banned on May 1st, 2020 have been stored in accordance with their required storage conditions. Possible exclusion from a buyback could follow, and the plan is high on the list of tasks Trudeau assigned in his mandate letter to his new, prime, uh, new Minister's of uh, Public Safety, Marco Medicino. That guy's such a sleaze. I cannot stand Marco Medicino. He's the guy that always sits behind Trudeau and just smirks. The whole, the whole, every time you see the House of Commons and you see Trudeau standing up to spit his gibberish, there's that one guy that sits behind him and smirks at absolutely everything. And th that's the guy. He's a POS. I've never met the guy, but I just, just his mannerisms make me hate him. Marco Medicino, a lawyer and former prosecutor. Making it mandatory for owners to sell banned assault weapons back to the government for destruction or have them rendered inoperable at the government's expense, expense is second on a list of seven gun-related priorities for medicinal. Well, <laughs> so the guy I hate is actually going to maybe, maybe make this less stupid? We'll see. I might be uh, eating some crow on that one. <clears throat> the government's budget this year includes $312 million over five years to reduce gun violence by enacting legislation, fighting smuggling and trafficking, boosting funding for the RCMP, the Canadian Border Services Agency, and the Department of Public Safety. In its election platform this year, the Liberal Party also promised to crack down on high-capacity magazines, allowing only five bullets to be contained in a long-guns magazine, and allocate $1 billion to the provinces and territories that ban handguns. Well, that's already banned. So they did nothing in their promises. Absolutely nothing. And it's still regional when it comes to handguns. So, um, you know, when it comes to guns, as you guys know, I'm quite passionate about it because most of the guns that they banned only have one purpose. And that purpose is government tyranny. That is the sole purpose of, of the, the firearms that they banned. They banned the guns that they're afraid of, my friends. And why are they trying to do something like that? Why are they trying to take the guns that have... Um, you know, a sole purpose of protecting you against your fucking government away from you. What are they planning to do that they can't allow you to have those guns? That's the question that everybody needs to be asking when it comes to this gun ban. 
And they're in for a rude awakening because no one's going to turn them in. No one is going to turn them in. You'll get it. You may, they might get a couple hundred, but it'll probably be the same scenario as New Zealand. And then they're going to have to figure out how they're going to fucking lock up every gun owner in Canada for not turning them in. Or is the RCMP going to just start kicking in doors and taking all your guns? We'll see. April is coming up quick. And so we'll see what they come up with. But, you know, as, as we know, when it comes to something like this, they aren't going to pay you what your AR is worth. You know, I think, I think the estimate that I had seen was they were, they were saying 800 bucks. Well, how, how much is your AR, friends? Like, when you really think about it, my AR right now, all tricked the fuck out, is close to probably 3500 bucks, And I'm not selling it. <laughs> I won't sell it for that cost because there's sentimental value there. You give me ten to 15000 maybe I'll sell it because then I can probably get my hands on some unregistered firearms that they don't, will never know I have. <laughs> not that I have any. Just saying. All right, my friends. What are we going to do now? We're going to move into some clips here. Okay, we're going to, the first clip that we're going to do is the Ice Age Farmer. This, he does um, great work. Uh, I, I got to take my hat off to him. Every time I, I, you know, am directed or find his clips, he is just a very good researcher. He brings you the information. He shows you what's happening. Uh, just hats off to him. Just a, a, a quick shout out. I've never met him, uh, but I like what he's doing. Um, brilliant, brilliant researcher. Um, he's going to kind of fill us in on what they're, how they're screwing around with the food supply in Canada. So let's... Uh, Let's just turn it over to him, and uh, we'll comment after. My friends, good evening. There's a few videos I want to share with you today, including this one, which was posted to the People's Media uh, channel by a gentleman who did a fantastic job standing his ground, demonstrating that he's not being allowed to buy food at a farmer's market there without providing proof of vaccination. You're preventing me from getting food? How am I supposed to feed? I'm not actually preventing you. You are? You're saying I can't go in? Yeah, I am You're not allowed to ban people from buying food. No, we're that's not. not us. That's the government. You can leave, sir. Please step outside. No, I'm not. Because this is this is ridiculous. What you are doing is a is a crime. It's a crime against humanity. Of course, many people have also seen the arrests being done at New York City restaurants. What I want to make clear tonight is it's not just that access to food is being limited uh, at the consumer level, but also the ability to produce food is being restricted. Here's an article from Western Australia where grain sites are literally being closed to farmers who aren't producing uh, proof of vaccination. So literally, right as the harvest comes in, you can see, I mean, even the headline tells you the bumper crop coincides with this new mandate deadline. Western Australia's bulk grain handler, CBH, has told 3,700 growers they will not be allowed to enter the site to deliver grain after the new year unless they get their vaccination. So farmers are locked out of the market. We, they just don't even accept delivery of massive amounts of grains, even as we have food shortages. It, it, it's, it's complete insanity. Um, and of course, not only are they attacking, you know, restricting at the consumer level and now at the, at the producer level, but everywhere in between. And I posted this video. I regret that I lost his name in Twitter. But I appreciate that he put this up there. I posted it to Telegram. You can see it's got 114,000 odd views. So uh, this really resonated with people that the new border restrictions imply that truckers won't be allowed to, to take goods across the Canadian-U.S. border unless they get their vaccines. You all know I drive truck. I'm across the border from Canada to the U.S., U.S. to Canada. Everything you have, everything you eat, everything you touch, everything you wear, everything in your house 
everything you go to the store for, and odds are almost everything you have at work. I'll show it up on the back of what I drive. Come January, they're throwing a new loop in there. Everybody crossing the border in a truck, they want to have the vaccine, and a lot of us don't. A lot of us are not getting it. They're going to be parking a lot of trucks come next month. You may not think that's going to affect you. 15% of the trucks on the road shut down, can't get across the border, can't haul the product. It's going to affect you more than you realize. 15% is all it's going to take. Distribution centers aren't going to get their stuff out. Lumber's not going to show up. Again, everything. So just whittling away at the supply chain, restricting consumer access to food, just telling farmers you can't even drop your food off here. When I posted this, also there are many comments that said, you know, I'm a trucker too, and yeah, this is this is getting too crazy. I'm turning in my, you know, I'm done. I'm done. I'm a Canadian trucker as well, and uh, I usually haul between Alberta and Texas. And yeah, I'm waiting on my last load right now, and it's going to be my last trip, uh, regardless of whether they actually grow a brain and back off on this uh, mandate. I'm still done. I'm just too sick of this stupidity. I'm just going to crawl into a hole and try and weather the storm that's coming. Uh, it's going to get real. Even if they do delay it, like I said, so many truckers are so fed up already, and you can see this in the 200-odd comments on this post, that, that uh, they're just walking away. And so the supply chain is being systematically dismantled, and you can see it. You remember we talked about the Port of Vancouver closing after the flooding there uh, d totally destroyed the railroads connecting the Port of Vancouver to the rest of Canada. They couldn't get their grains or, or any crops to the, the port to ship out to the rest of the world, Canada being one of the biggest exporters. And here it is from the Daily Mail. McDonald's rations fries in Japan due to supply shortage. You're only allowed to buy small fries. I don't know if you can buy multiple packages. Why, though? It's because of potato shortage caused by supply chain issues. McDonald's generally imports uh, potatoes from Canada to the Japanese restaurants. So this is it. This is, this is exactly what we said would happen playing out. And now... McDonald's fries are not, you know, I'm not concerned about people being rationed away from McDonald's fries. This is just the most visible uh, symptom of that, right? When, when you have a, a multinational company saying we have to ration our fries, then the Daily Mail, it's a headline, the Daily Mail prints that. What we're not seeing is the myriad other purchasers in all sorts of countries, including small countries, that depend on, the, uh, on these imports from Canada and the U.S., who are completely congested ports and all this nonsense and mandates going on, uh, and Australia not even accepting grain from their farmers. They're also a big grain exporter. But the less visible symptom is that countries are literally running out of food. Here's one example in Sri Lanka, where an official actually had the, the gall to mention that. Agriculture Secretary warns of food crisis before being promptly removed from office. From AFP, Ag Secretary Senior Professor Udith Jayasinghe yesterday warned of an imminent food crisis before he was removed from his post. Authorities may have to impose further food rationing and seek foreign aid to help feed the most needy, he told reporters. We may have to borrow grains like corn from friendly countries and think of rationing food so that mothers and the sick can be fed while others may have to make sacrifices. But within hours, Jaya Singha was replaced by another official. Uh, the office announced without even saying why he was sacked. Food shortages, just continuing here, 
Although I think that says a lot, right? Somebody actually tells you, yeah, we're running out of food, and they're, boom, removed from office. Food shortages continuing have been worsened by the government's ban on agrochemical imports. Oh, we're going to stop importing fertilizers and, and other... But this is the same sort of thing we saw from Botswana, where they said, we're going to stop importing... This is just, you know, days ago. It's the 3rd of, of, of December. We're going to stop importing vegetables and other kinds of food now. Straight up, the decision, first bullet point here, the decision is to enhance the reset agenda, specifically reformulating the food supply lines, which is exactly what we've heard, transforming the food supply, resetting the table from the Rockefellers, all of this language echoed. So when you see Botswana cutting off imports because they're going to make sure there's a food crisis there so they can transform their food system. When you see agricultural secretaries warning that they're running out of food and maybe we're going to ration our food, hopefully we can find some from friendly countries. But again, stepping back to what I have been saying throughout this video is that uh, farmers are being cut out and farming and ranching is being shut down. Chickens are being culled by the millions in the name of bird flu, which is also causing egg shortages in Israel right now. Uh, another example, Syria just had their worst wheat harvest in 50 years and is fearing mass starvation, saying that uh, about 12.5 million people are food insecure right now with 90% of their population living in poverty. So food crisis is becoming a global thing, and this is all why China has, for the last two years, been stocking it away as fast as they could from anywhere they could buy food, especially the U.S. and Brazil were cleaned out. Even the, the soybeans and corn we grow this season will have already been sold off to China. So here from Nike Asia, China is hoarding over half the world's grains, which is pushing up the global prices. Uh, quote, China is now stockpiling more than half the globe's corn and other grains, leading to steep price increases across the world and dropping more countries into famine. You see, these aren't just random reports. This is the real story. The hoarding that being, is taking place in China. It's interesting to see them blame China. The major state-owned food processor, which runs China's largest food stockpiles uh, at the port of Dalian in the northeastern part of the country, stores beans and grains gathered from home and abroad in 310 huge silos. From there, the grains make their way across China via rail and sea. Talk about centralization. China is maintaining its food stockpiles at a historically high level because they know, they are aware that the supply chain is being systematically dismantled, whittled away at uh, all agricultural production across the world. They know they stopped exporting uh, fertilizers last year and that Europe has turned off their fertilizer production. Russia has stopped exporting it too, seeing that they need it to, uh, to keep their own domestic production. So it's, it is a, it's an astounding cascading failure of the food supply chain that uh, that's feeding the world right now. And of course, this was all wargamed, right, by John Podesta in the food chain reaction game funded by George Soros back in 2015, which said that in the year 2020, there's going to be a pandemic and climate change and nationalist interests will be rising and they'll stop trading food to try and to save themselves. And so this is exactly the script that we're now walking through. Just as we went through the, the pandemic script from Event 201, so too now uh, is the food chain reaction game going live, uh, destined to end in localized food shortages and the carbon tax and even a, a ban of meat. We'll see how far they take it. So um, 
I just want to be very clear that that's what's going on with this. Uh, it's not just that people are being locked out of restaurants and even farmers markets. It's actually a much bigger attack on all aspects of the food supply chain that's going on right now. And China obviously knows it and has been preparing. Uh, other countries seem to be catching wind of it, but they can't talk about it or they're removed promptly from office. And meanwhile, the U.S. is just sleepwalking straight into the disaster. So that's why I really ask you to help me have this conversation with other people, make sure people are spreading the word. The bottom line is that the mainstream food supply is collapsing. And I use that language quite intentionally because if you don't depend on the grocery store to feed your family, then this is not a scary thing to witness. It's a, I mean, it, it's a huge civilization ending. Obviously, it's, 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 uh, it's noteworthy, but it's not immediately life-threatening unless you depend on that mainstream food supply. It also, I'm using that word because it implies there are alternative food supplies. Your own garden, your own community gardens, the animals at, the, at your rancher neighbor down the street, uh, this is the time to make sure that you've got those relationships in place, that you're doing everything you can to help them with their operations, uh, make them more robust and anti-fragile if possible, so that you guys continue to eat even as this plan is enacted. Uh, I'll be having a conversation with Marjorie Wildcraft tomorrow to talk more about how to build yourself an alternative food supply. I'm sure the mainstream would love to call this black market food. We'll hear more about that in the near in the days ahead. But um, if you have any questions you want to have myself and Marjorie discuss tomorrow, please shoot me an email, iSageFarmer at ProtonMail.com, or leave a comment below, and we'll see. It'll be a fun conversation. I'm looking forward to building alternative food systems with Marjorie Wildcraft tomorrow. So for now... So there you have it. Um, very well done by the Ice Age Farmer. Um, you heard his email. If you do want to reach out to him, please do. Um, and this is, uh, like he was saying, how they always pre-plan, they always tell you what they're going to do. What we're going to do next is we're going to get into uh, dark winter. Uh, I found a, a pretty good clip that kind of describes everything uh, that we're seeing, including the food shortages, um, how it's all been pre-planned, uh, including um, potentially another virus outbreak, inten probably intentionally released, uh, this time with a, with a way higher uh, mortality rate, um, which very well could be smallpox. Now, we are, we saw the media covering it. Out of the blue, they were covering it, saying it. Uh, the last show I made, a, I screwed up and I said it was anthrax or, or Ebola. Well, it was actually smallpox is what they found in, in a, supposedly a, a refrigerator in a CDC lab in, in Atlanta. <laughs> so you know that that's hovering below the surface. So... <clears throat> Uh, we're going to go a little bit over on the time this this episode because this out this next clip is 11 minutes long, but you need to hear it too because it ties completely in. Uh, it kind of walks side by side with the Ice Age farmers' findings in the fact that the uh, you know this is all pre-planned. This is they've been planning this since probably well probably for 40 years, but they really started putting their practice runs together in 2015 and 2012, like 2012 to 2015, all the way up to 2016. They were running these uh, uh, basically practice runs. Okay, let's get into the next clip, my friends, so that uh, you can hear what exactly I'm talking about here. And dark winter. Well, dark winter was the name of the simulation in 2001, before this bio threat happened in reality. And very interestingly, yes, there is a man from Dark Winter, one of the planners, 
who have the connection to the Great Reset of today. We know what's going on now, the financial Great Reset of Klaus Schwab. Klaus Schwab yes. The COVID-19 crisis has shown us that our old systems are not fit anymore for the 21st century. Now is the historical moment, the time, not only to fight severe virus, but to shape the system. We can build a new social contract. In short, we need a great reset. We have to mobilize all constituents of our global society to work together. We must not miss this unique window of opportunity. And is there a direct connection between Dark Winter and Klaus Schwab? Yes. And his name is Mr. David Gergen. He was the planner of Dark Winter. He sat on the table with the Central Intelligence Agency with the Johns Hopkins University. And now he is sitting at the board of the Klaus Schwab Foundation. And the Klaus Schwab Foundation, of course, is behind or has a connection to this so-called Great Reset. Yes, exactly. So Klaus Schwab wrote a book, the trick is to do it publicly, wrote a book in English called COVID-19, The Great Reset. It's translated to German, yeah. Corona, uh, der große Umbruch. It's really the book to read, like in their 1920s and 1930s. There is a book out, and nobody should say that he didn't know about the book, and it's Klaus Schwab. And so here's this organization that has grown to this mammoth uh, uh, force and has enormous influence dedicated to improving the state of the world. What is the state of the world today as you see? We are much too much backwards-oriented or crisis-management-oriented and do not have a time left really to, to shape our future. Such may be where the forum is coming in. As we've seen various blue scares come along, uh, we haven't had a, a super good response. So the paradigmatic examples are uh, smallpox for an intentionally caused thing, that there was a simulation called Dark Winter that didn't come out very well, uh, i.e. smallpox scored one and humanity scored zero. And the code word Dark Winter, yeah, what Joe Biden announced. This is the same fellow who told you that, don't worry, we're going to end this by the summer. We're about to go into a dark winter, a dark winter. And he has no clear plan and there's no prospect. I believe that uh, President Donald Trump uh, responded to that uh, by, by using the same words. Yeah, interestingly. <laughs> I don't have think no plan. we're going to have a dark winter and, at all. We're opening up our country. We've learned and studied and understand the disease. The speech writers yeah, yes. advise uh, the candidates not to echo the words of their opponent. But uh, Donald Trump did. So Joe Biden said in a, a lot of speeches, a very dark winter is coming. We're still facing a very dark winter. And Donald Trump was echoing this. But we're not entering a dark winter. I don't know if a dark winter is coming. Interesting choice of words, just following what you've just described about Event 201 and dark winter in 2001. Exactly, yeah. And I checked C-SPAN, this is a parliament television. If you type in dark winter, you will see, oh, it's this term, dark winter, wasn't used much before. So it's really a code. And the problem is we don't have enough vaccine to go around. Meaning we don't have enough vaccine for the United States? 
Well, I would like to think that, but we don't have sufficient uh, stockpiles for the people in Oklahoma, Georgia, or Pennsylvania, much less for the entire United States population. Well, that certainly doesn't sound encouraging. What do you mean exactly? Angie, it means it could be a very dark winter for America. Sobering. Thank you very much for joining us, Dr. Kazlik. In this simulation, Dark Winter, it was all about a real deadly agent, like an anthrax. So COVID-19 is not a real deadly agent, but Dark Winter is. And Joe Biden announced Dark Winter is coming. So what does it mean for us? What does it mean for us? Just on that point, you know, hypothetically speaking, could you imagine a situation where a real deadly virus were, were, were to be released? perhaps by a terrorist attack or whatever, but a real deadly virus were released, what would happen then? Well, I think we all could imagine that perhaps then the mass media and the governments all around the world will put the finger on the demonstrators yeah, and the people from the peace movement to say, oh yes, we told you all the, all the mumps don't spread out the virus because it's so deadly. Well. Scientifically, there is no evidence for this. We would have seen this because it's of course, just it's like one or two weeks. The, the freedom rallies in Berlin and Germany across Europe, we would have seen it if the, if the virus was actually established. Exactly. But, but guess the situation if this would happen, so a really deadly virus threat would come out, like a variant of SARS-CoV-2, yeah. a deadly variant would come out, and then they would blame all the people. So this would be a situation like civil war because a lot of people are, of course, afraid, yeah? 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 And they will blame, uh, blame uh, the demonstrators of, of, uh, of spreading. Of so it would polarize the population, would set one half of the population against the other half of the Exactly, yeah. And then they could point the finger and say, well, you seen, we told you all the time, yeah, wearing masks, social distancing, yeah, and it's you to blame for. Well, there's the answer to that, then? What, how could... How could people mm. counteract that? What? Yes, and I want to close with this, uh, how we can con counteract. Mm -hmm. So we as the uh, World Freedom Alliance, we are prepared to look into these things scientifically, evidence-based, mm -hmm. like in uh, the year 2001. There was uh, a good professor from Arizona, who, his name was Paul Kahn, and he got out that this anthrax was uh, coming from the U.S. Army itself. Mm -hmm. And if there would be you now a situation with a dark winter, deadly virus threat, if we would see very sick people or dead people, mm -hmm. we need to investigate, is this agent really from where it comes from? Yes. So it is definitely not the SARS-CoV-2, what we have seen the last months. So we are prepared for the situation, for this announced dark winter. Very good, Dr. Shuni. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> Thank you. We're about to go into a dark winter. A dark winter. I don't have no plan. We're going to have a dark winter. We're still facing a very dark winter. We're entering a dark winter. My heart goes out to each of you in this dark winter of the pandemic. When he's talked about a dark winter, a dark winter. My opponent is promising a long dark winter. We are facing a very dark winter. We're still in the middle of what will be a very, very, very dark winter. It could be a long, dark winter. Without better planning, 2020 could be the darkest winter in modern history. What are the priorities for WHO in getting through this dark winter? We are in for a long, 
dark winter before a vaccine becomes broadly available. The courage and judgment to lead us through this long, dark winter. At the end of a dark winter of the pandemic. Uh, what we've all had to endure and what we're going to have to endure during this very dark winter to combat this virus and to save as many lives as we can. I said in March it was going to be a long, dark winter. Um, we're still in that long, dark winter. The U.S. faces the darkest winter in modern history. Britain is braced for a dark winter as new measures are deployed to stem a surge of coronavirus. And more than nine months into the pandemic, COVID-19 is spreading with a vengeance. It has now killed a reported 280,000 Americans, according to Johns Hopkins University. Record numbers of new cases and hospitalizations increase concern that a dark winter is ahead. All I can tell you is the truth. We're in a very dark winter. Things may well get worse before they get better. The UK has identified a new variant of COVID-19 through Public Health England. It seems that the spread is now being driven by the new variant of the virus. A new variant of COVID-19 that is spreading across the globe. The United Kingdom feels like Plague Island with two new coronavirus strains the other from South Africa. Unfortunately, it's going to be quite a dark winter. 2020 has shown that governments must increase investment in public health, from funding access to COVID-19 vaccines for all people, to making our systems better prepared to prevent and respond to the next inevitable pandemic. Yeah, this pandemic has been very severe. It's been, it's spread around the world uh, extremely quickly and has affected every corner of this planet. But this is not necessarily the big one. These threats will continue. If there's one thing we need to take from this pandemic with all of the tragedy and loss is that we need to get our act together. We need to get ready for something that may even be more severe in future. The idea of a, a bioterrorist attack is kind of the nightmare scenario because they're a pathogen with a high death rate would be ticked. Now, the good news is most of the work we're going to do to be ready for pandemic two, I, I call this pandemic one, most of the work we'll do to be ready for that are also the things we need to do uh, to minimize the threat of, of bioterrorism. So we, you know, we'll have to prepare for the next one. That, you know, I'd say is, uh, we'll get attention this time. So, like always, the globalists, um, because of their religion, they have to disclose what they are planning, which is uh, Luciferianism. As you guys are fully aware, these people do not believe uh, in in the same God that most of us do, regardless of our religion. These people believe that uh, Satan is the, the uh, be-all, end-all, and uh, it's in the Luciferian code that they have to disclose what they're doing. So... You did hear uh, Donald Trump contradicting uh, Joe Biden when it comes to Joe, uh, Dark Winter. Now, he's still, Donald Trump is still, uh, I just heard an actual recent, very recent um, uh, speech of his, um, where he, he, just, he still just talks like uh, things are going to change. I also uh, was paying attention to, I'm still paying attention, close attention to Arizona. As you guys know, that's where everything is happening. Uh, it'll be the start of uh, um, 
probably the decertification process for the 2020 presidential election. Now, it's basically sitting in their AG's hands, and I don't know. He's dragging his feet. Um, they're at the point now where they, they've got all the, enough evidence to decertify, uh, and they've had it for quite some time. And I don't know if he is, like, he's he's got a choice to make here. Either you're with the people or you're against them. But anyway, the reason I'm tying this all together is Donald Trump is still talking like he's going to take back the White House soon, uh, quite soon. So he's, he knows something's in the mix, and maybe he's aware that um, the AG in Arizona will actually decertify. And if they do, if they go that route, it'll, be a, it'll, be, it'll cause a chain reaction and the snowball uh, will actually go to every other state. Um, that right there has the potential for stopping this long plan. As you guys heard, it was 2001. Even I was uh, a little bit shy. They were, they've been planning this since 2001. So, but you also heard, like the Ice Age farmer said, uh, if you're not dependent on mainstream, the mainstream food supply, meaning if, you've, if you live in a community where you can uh, basically trade and barter with your neighbors, um, and, you, and you grow a garden and you do some canning and all that stuff, odds are you'll, you'll pull through it. Uh, we'll see if they, actually, if they actually implement this plan. Now, is it going to be anthrax? Is it going to be smallpox? We don't know what they're going to release uh, next time. Um, and when they're going to do it, I don't, you know, they're all talking like this winter. We'll see. We'll see. As, as if, if it's smallpox, we're talking about a 30% fatality rate with smallpox. So that's huge. That's huge. So all we can do is, you know, gather as much information as we can and make decisions based on what we can see happening, reading between the lines, so on and so forth. <clears throat> but I do like the hope that the Ice Age farmer actually offered up. And as always, I think the more aware you of, of your enemy's plans you are, the better off you are. Will it just be the release of a virus and food shortages? No, these, the, you already know uh, by them uh, starting to screw with the power grid uh, that they could potentially shut down the power too. Um, <clears throat> Saskatchewan's in a, a unique area. Actually, most of the Canadian provinces are in the sense that we've got um, hydroelectric dams, uh, we've got coal-fired plants, um, and then some of the provinces are, are even nuclear. Now, but will they still be able to knock out power with an EMP? Yes. Yeah. It would basically fry every, every circuit board uh, if they did start um, firing off EMPs in specific areas. So your power would be out for potentially months. Do you remember when uh, Quebec had those ice storms and uh, uh, the Quebecers basically went without power for, it was like three months plus. Um, that's what you should prepare for if it comes that way. So things like fuel, when, if the lights go off, fuel would be your first priority. So you're going to probably want those, uh, uh, those firearms for government tyranny if it got to that. <laughs> because you won't just be fighting off the government, you'd be fighting off other people to get the resources that you need. It could, it could go crazy. If, if it went that way, my friends, it could go completely crazy. And I don't know. When you, when you really think of it, there's a lot of us that actually would probably be more comfortable with an all-out fight than this slow kill that they're doing right now. But, I mean, I still have a tendency to, switch, you know, to sway towards the positive. The fact that there's a lot going on behind the scenes... Um, 
you know, I still kind of have this, I, I reserve this belief that Omicron might have been a white hat operation, <clears throat> Uh, just simply because there's no natural evolution for it, and it doesn't really, it, it it's basically the the common cold. What we don't know is if you get Omicron. So if you get the sniffles for a couple of days, and they tell you, oh, you got Omicron, oh my God, uh, does it provide immunity to the rest of the variants? Odds are yes. Odds are I bet you it does because it's still a spike protein that uh, is the toxin uh, with a whole, what did they say, 32 mutations on it. So. <clears throat> um, and the fact that it's spreading so rapidly, and now you've got numbers coming out of Israel, and, and we'll try to keep track of these numbers, but Israel's always the tip-off on, on who it's actually infecting, and the bulk majority is the dub, uh, double, triple vaccinated. In Israel's triple vaccinated. So all of this stuff, the fact that your enemy is partially retarded and they have to reveal your pla- their plans to you has always been a plus for us. <laughs> Those of us on the right side of history would never be that stupid. Uh, <clears throat> But um, we, we have disorganization that holds us back and the fact that we aren't organized. These guys have been planning this for centuries. It's not, it's not just the last, you know, 10, 20 years. You know, when you think about the people that are behind this, and we've gone into the Kazarian Mafia and who these people really are. Uh, these people, and Klaus Schwab himself, he's actually a Rothschild, believe it or not. Schwab is just a taken name or uh, a pseudonym. But... <clears throat> So he's tied directly into the cabal that, you know, has has its ties all the way back to Kazaria. So, and Rothschild, the name Rothschild is, is just a taken name as well. A taken name because uh, they were part of the people that uh, were forced to pick a religion because they were Satanists, Luciferianisms. And you're still looking at, you're looking at the descendants of them. Panic, they're panicking. And, and, you know, you heard Klaus Schwab say that this is a unique opportunity. We can't let it pass by. Well, anything could screw up this plan. Anything. And they're, they're laying it all out on the line. Like I said, these guys play poker with their hand facing you. So we got to start capitalizing on that. You know, they're going all in on a hand. And that they've already told us what they have. <laughs> we just don't know. The only detail we don't know is how they're going to... they got a fear monger, right? they got to keep you afraid. So how... How far are they going to go? And the fact that, um, you know, their entire society is based on blackmail and, and everything like that, you only need a few of them to flip. You know, the numbers that I've heard of the actual people in this, at the, at the self-proclaimed elite level of this organization is only 3,000. You know, so if they start, if they start shorting uh, food in North America and power and all that stuff, and you've got, you've got people with nothing to lose, nothing to lose whatsoever, then the dynamic changes. <clears throat> anyway, my friends, it's very interesting to see it all play out. Um, what, a, what a time to be alive, to say the least. And uh, let's just, uh, what I'll keep doing is trying to find all the info I possibly can to get us at least mentally prepared for what could happen. Um, keep in mind, you know, you got white hats and Donald Trump himself saying that this is not going to happen, but also you got to take things that, uh, even Trump says with a grain of salt because he's still backing the vaccine. So, you know, that was, that's the biggest hit to his, his popularity is the fact that he's still standing behind the vaccines. Donald Trump himself got booed for, uh, still pushing the vaccines at one of his, uh, at one of his speeches. So maybe it's time for <laughs> the Trumps to walk away from the vaccine narrative because, People are even seeing beyond some of the leaders they respect when it comes to that. 
Anyway, my friends, as always, um, if you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Facebook. Um, the message button comes directly to me. Um, so all the feedback that uh, some of you have been giving me has been great. Thank you so much for, for reaching out. If you prefer email, it's CanadianPatriotRadio at uh, gmail.com. Uh, I encourage everybody to join the Telegram room. The conversation is ongoing, um, and that one is t.me backslash Canadian Patriot Radio. And if you prefer websites, it's CanadianPatriotRadio.ca. <clears throat> Thank you so much for tuning in, my friends. Um, I'm going to, there's going to be another episode, uh, possibly two. It's going to be a, an interview episode coming out this week. Uh, so I will, you will see me again before the week's done. So, until next time, my friends, in all thy sons, command. joining us for another episode of Canadian Patriot Radio. CPR is not filmed before a live studio audience. If you like the show, friends, make sure you give us a thumbs up and share us on all your social media platforms. Until next time, take care.